Mr. Bytus. Hello, Chuck. Thank you for uh, for filling in on the Big Monday show. Uh, Barry is, is a little bit under the weather, and uh, we needed a, a fill-in, and, and you were the perfect person. Yeah, I'm always uh, willing to come out of the bullpen for you guys, and uh, we're hoping that Barry feels uh, better. Yes, sir. Yeah, he... Uh, Talked to him yesterday, and he didn't. He didn't sound too good, and Oof. and uh, he kind of went. Uh, I guess he went to the doctor and got all checked out, and nothing too bad. But uh, he's gonna be under the weather, and not be able to do the show tonight. So uh, I do appreciate you filling in, and I know that um, you know the our, our usual topics are things that you uh, keep on top of. Uh, certainly the derby um, field, which is kind of changing day by day <laughs> more horses dropping out um but um you know that uh, i guess we can talk a little bit about the uh, the big race at oaklawn this past saturday um the latrushka pulling off the upset uh, there's a lot of hand-wringing yesterday on twitter about uh, weight and handicaps and things like that and <clears throat> we'll get get into that a little bit um We'll pull you away from the Yonkers card, the big Yonkers, the uh, <laughs> Borgata, formerly known as the Levy Knight. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Yonkers is like inscrutable for me. I, I, I can't figure out what's going to happen. I, you know, it, it just, it's hard to figure out how the races are going to go. Yeah. And, uh, and, and invariably, I get beat up the rail like you did earlier today. <laughs> it can happen. Yeah. It's very tricky and, uh, it's a true puzzle now as uh, compared to uh, yesteryear where horses would just jump onto the front end and basically wire to wire. So uh, I'm sure the fans that do uh, play Yonkers are more appreciative of the fairer racing that's going on today. True, true. It, it's just odd that, um, you know, Mondays become this big, big night for Yonkers. And, you know, in the old days, obviously, Saturday night was always the was always the, the, the day, uh, you know, the night that they had the big races on. But, you know, things change and they, they've got a kind of a different place in the wagering menu. And, I mean, nobody wants to go ahead and head with the Meadowlands basically anymore. And um, you know, they, they, the Meadowlands is still strong. I mean, they're handling three and a half million a night. And it's not as though they have great cards um, I know that uh, this time of the year, when every you know Pocono opens up and Yonkers is still going strong, and uh, some of the other tracks are open, it just there's just not that many horses, and and they're they're actually benefiting a little bit from the influx of uh, of some of the horses coming out of Mohawk because those guys up there are really getting screwed by the government, you know, shutting them down for for just no reason at all. But uh, it was kind of crazy that they were allowing like shopping malls to be open and. They were allowing people to golf, and you can play hockey, but you can't have horse racing, which which just is, uh, it's nuts. It is insane. I mean, I saw that uh, Joe Jameson is going to come over and drive. I forgot where he's going to drive, but I saw Bob McClure was at uh, Meadowlands Saturday. So I'm sure you're going to get a big influx of the Canadians coming over to 
And, you know, it's a little bit easier for harness horses to ship. I mean, they're used to shipping. Most of them are, are based off of, not at a racetrack, so they're, they ship all, to run all the time anyways. But uh, And probably for the drivers as well. But, you know, we haven't quite heard a whole lot about uh, about Woodbine, anyone leaving there. I mean, I know Mark Cassie's got um, 45 there, and, and supposedly he's not bringing any more there. They're, they're going to stay. He's got a whole bunch more that he would be sending up, but they're just going to hold off on those um, until they have some clarity as to when it, you know they're going to start racing again. But uh, I guess it's not out of the realm of possibility that, that we start seeing some some of the Canadian horses, uh, you know, that were prepped down south, that are going up there ready to run, they, they might uh, they might wind up shipping back down across the border and try to find a spot to, to just get started. Yeah, and I'm sure you're going to see uh, horses running at Churchill and Belmont from, you know, Canada. Some of the, you know, better horses, especially Derby Week when you're dealing with a lot of those stakes. I'm sure that people that were looking at stake races to run at the Woodbine will probably look to go elsewhere. Yeah, it's 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 really tough when uh, when you just don't have any idea what you know when things are going to get back going. It's it's hard enough. I mean, it's it's hard enough to keep horses sound and, and training and you know keep them at the top of their game, but to to like have no idea when you're going to be able to run that that's just. Uh, it's just really tough, and and they're literally the only jurisdiction in the world. <laughs> I read a, a piece from a guy in Toronto, one of the Toronto papers, and and he made that point. He said there's racing all over the world, and this is the literally the only jurisdiction that that's that stopped racing again. And it's, uh, I feel bad for those guys because you know it's, they're in a tough spot, and nobody wants to leave home. But I mean, I don't know what else you can do. Yeah, it was like last year when they shut down New York. I started panicking, and Jose, you know, the ride. So, I mean, Churchill was running, so we actually went down there until, you know, New York said they were going to open back up. So, you know, I feel for the horsemen in Woodbine. Yeah. Um, moving over to Oakland, what did – I mean, obviously – you know, there was a lot of billing. There was a lot of build-up for the race. It was, you know, kind of billed as a two-horse race, even though Latrushka, um, you know, she didn't quite have the credentials of the other two, but she was, you know, just a, a tad bit behind. Um, but she's in, you know, career best form as well. And and she's got that one thing that uh, that always makes a horse dangerous and that she's got speed. Um, there was some curious decisions made in that race in the going into the first turn after Latrushka really didn't break that sharp. Um, you know, Swiss skydiver broke really sharp and, and, and Alvarado looked like he was sending her, like he was going to take control of the race and go to the lead. And then as they approached the turn, he, he almost looked like Florent Drew did on Cotto river a couple of weeks back and he took back and then, he made a couple different moves in the race, and I mean, what was your impression of that? I mean, when I was absolutely shocked because, like everyone else, I just figured Matruska would break on, you know, control things into the first turn as Monomoy Girl and Swiss Skydiver would find their positions. 
So like you said, when Swiss Skydiver just completely outbroke Latruska, I thought that maybe Alvarado would try to take the race to everyone because he basically got a head start. And, you know, I assumed front end like, you you know, everyone thought he would. And in, in that time was actually able to steal the second quarter because they yeah. went a pokey 24 and two into the second quarter. And I think that was the reasoning why Latruska was able to come back and win the race, you know, because of that soft second quarter. On the backside, you know, at the five eights, uh, you know, there was some room in Latruska for Swiss Skydiver, Swiss Skydiver, but there's no way, I mean, Alvarado couldn't possibly have thought that I read was going to let him through at that point in the race. You know, it was interesting that after the the race, immediately after the race, a lot of people were were actually criticizing French Rowe. And I really don't know what he did wrong. I mean, he, he kind of rode the race that uh, he always does on the Philly. He actually got about, looked like he got about a neck in front. Um, and, I mean, you could certainly make the case that, that Irad outrode him the last 100 yards. But, uh, I mean, I read I read just about everybody the last 100 yards. I mean, he's guys in a zone. Um, and I just – I really didn't have any any issues with, with what he did. I mean, maybe he could have taken the tour a little earlier. I don't really have any um, any qualms on uh, the way he rode the horse. and But I, I just think that um, – I mean, certainly I read is in, is in the – you know, I mean, he's riding with supreme confidence. And, and that was one of the things that I thought about regarding Alvarado in that it's not that Alvarado hasn't won a lot of races. He's won thousands of races and, you know, tons of money. And I mean, he's ridden curly. He's ridden a lot of good horses, but the thing is the guy's not riding a lot anymore. And you know, that the Irad is as confident of a rider as there is. And one of the reasons he's winning all the time, um, and you just think a guy's got a different mindset. Now, you work with jockeys, you know, for well, 25 years, so you know how they think. I mean, that confidence that you know that you're on a good horse and you know that you're going to be there, um, opposed to a guy like Alvarado who has literally one big horse and he's got a lot of time to overthink things. Uh, I mean, do you think that plays a factor yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the comparison I would make, Chuck, would be a baseball player that plays every day and he gets four at bats, five, four to five at bats a game versus a guy that's just going to come in and like kind of pinch hit. I mean, that's like a huge difference because one guy is in the flow, you know, and the other guy's just coming in off the bench. I think, you know, I read he's riding day in, day out. He's winning day in and day out. He's in the zone. You know, it's a, it played a huge difference. But one thing I do want to say, Chuck, is that I don't think anyone in the world from the quarter pole home thought Monomoy Girl could lose that race. I mean, I'm still in shock, actually, that Latruska came back and beat her. But I don't want to knock Monomoy Girl. She's a She's a champion. She's an incredible animal. She has an unbelievable record. But to me, this year, 
I just don't think she's quite as good. She just lost maybe a mile or two on a fastball. It looks like to me, toward the end of the race, if you watch, she's not fully extending. Now, she's not a poetic type. She carries her head a little high here. It looks to me like she's carrying her head a wee bit higher. It looks to me like she's not fully extending quite like she did last year. And if you add all of those factors up, that was the difference to me in the nose defeat. You know, you watch her, her first race of the year in the, the comeback race, and it was in the slop. Um, and she kind of raced similarly, and she didn't, like, blow them away. No. Um, and she's a really good horse. I mean, obviously, it's hard enough. It's hard <laughs> to criticize a horse who's 14 for 16 lifetime. has got, uh, you know, one now two horses have finished ahead of her. One was three years ago, and, and the other one was by a nose. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that she is, is um, fortunate in that, that uh, I mean, going into the race, I wrote a little piece about mm-hmm. it. And you look at the thoroughbred sheets, right? Mm-hmm. She's only a little bit better than these other two horses. And that was the thing is, it wasn't like she runs minus ones. The other horses, like uh, Swiss Skydiver, on two occasions ran a minus one. Uh, Latrushka runs zeros. So, yeah, she's a little faster. But, you know, the, the sheets also take into consideration weight. And she's always carrying, you know, high weight. Um, so again, I'm not criticizing her. I'm just saying that, you know, even as great as she is, it's not like she's, she was five lengths better than these horses. Um, and like you said, she might be a couple lengths better or a length better. And now coming back for, as a six-year-old, you know, I mean, horses do kind of lose it. I mean, we saw a lot of horses, great horses, horses that raced, of course, a lot more than she has. Um, but winning colors and, and uh, um, Lady Secret come to mind as two fillies who at, at one point just, you know, didn't run as well. And of course, it's not that she didn't run well. I mean, she ran well. I mean, it's, you know, she ran a good race. She ran a race. She just got beat. And that happens. And I guess it's more, I guess I mean, it's I, more the way she got beat, Chuck, because she actually, it wasn't like she didn't get there. She actually put her head in front. And you know she yeah. didn't couldn't put her away. Didn't really show the eye of the tiger. Yeah, yeah that that was that was a little surprising to me. And um, I guess like I said, I'm not you know we're not saying she ran bad, but like you said, she may not be quite as good as, as she was um, before. And you know, there's been a lot of talk about you know possibly running against the the, the boys. And and the fact of the matter is. She's the rare top, top horse, you know, top of the line, who, uh, who whose value has already been predetermined, meaning that she can't really increase her value anymore. She was bought for nine and a half million bucks. You know, she's a mare. She's having one full year. She's not going to be worth more than nine and a half million dollars. You know, B-Wayne News is not going to sell her. So what she does, win, lose, or draw, really doesn't affect her value at all because you know, next year she's going to be bred and, and uh, that's, that's all there is to it, you know? And so they have a, a chance to, to make a couple statements um, and, and try, maybe try and, you know, run against the boys. 
or something like that. But uh, somebody brought it up, and, and honestly, I hadn't thought about it, but it was it's kind of an intriguing thought of, of maybe cutting her back to a mile and trying the Met Mile, where she's going to get weight because she's a filly, um, and, uh, you know, see how that goes. Because, you know, even as great as she is, uh, you think of, 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 like, some of the great fillies of the past, um, almost all of their wins, their, like, career-defining wins are at least, you know, one of their top wins was against boys. Serena Song, Lady Secret, uh, Personal Ensign, um, uh, winning colors in the Derby. Uh, you know, like genuine so, risk. Genuine risk, right? I mean, um, you know, there, there's been a lot of fillies that uh, have have taken on the boys and, and beat them. And to be honest, if those three fillies had run in uh, the million, what was that race the, on the undercard? The uh, the Razorback. Oh, it's a million yeah, dollar race. Yeah. That uh, they're better than those horses. <laughs> you know, they're better than those boys. And maybe those those horses aren't the upper echelon of, of our uh, handicapped horses, but um, you know our best two handicapped horses probably Charlatan and, and Nick's go, and they're, they're they're both you know coming off defeats. So I don't know. Uh, it'd be interesting. I, I I would just you know the one thing I, I it always bothered me about Zenyatta was that they kept running against those same crappy fillies in California time and time and time. You know, again. On poly track too. And yeah. They never, they never like tried her on the turf. I, I always thought the Beverly D would have been the perfect spot for her because they had that, you know, at Arlington for the million, they always put the, uh, you know, the, the, what do they call it? The, the million uh, lane. So you had that big sweeping turn. And I mean, could you imagine her kick on, on the turf? I mean, it could be pretty scary. <laughs> Western fame got off the rail. <laughs> it's amazing. The rail at Yonkers is dead. I told you. <laughs> it's, 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 that's like something that's never happened before. I think Dallas they added dirt or something. I don't know. It's like the like it's like the rail at parks being locked. I I it's told like, you they did something to this track. I watched races on Monday nights and I saw some things that I haven't seen in the past. It's weird. But you were right about Western Fame. Yeah. yeah. We'll see if I can hit the pick three. All right. I played against the uh, the big Philly in the next race. Yeah, it's an open race. I used blue ivy. Race. I used the blue ivy. Or... Be sharp. But um, you know, going back to you know Phillies against boys. I mean, in the trotters, it's like not even that big of a deal. I mean, More. you get the Philly like like Manch- Manchego and. Phillies like Hanover, Hanover. I mean, um, they just they did it like as a matter of course. They're best horse a lot of times. In time. Europe, in the thoroughbreds, they don't bat an eyelash when you know a Philly or mare takes on the boys. No, they don't. They don't. And honestly, I, you know, segueing from there, one of the things about European racing is that uh, two things matter way more there than they do here. And number one is the ground. 
those people obsess over the ground. I mean, they're like total compulsive, you know, uh, all the ground, the ground, the ground. That's all they talk about. Uh, the second thing is weights. And that was one of the other, you know, uh, topics of conversation after Saturday's um, the results. No one was talking about it before the race, but after the race, everyone wanted to talk about it. And a lot of people are against handicaps. And I mean, I said, to be honest with you, she probably wasn't even fairly weighted. She probably, she probably should have been giving that horse more weight um, considering what her record is versus the other Phillies record. But horses, even in handicaps now, they just don't give them very much weight. Uh, You know, you go back 25 or 30 years, the three Phillies that were the all-sarans, they'd have been in a 108, 107 in that race. You'd have the Richard Prevatera off the uh, the soup line (laughs) to to ride. (laughs) Funny story, Richard Prevatera, he's about two foot six. He he, he challenged me to a fight one time after a race. He got beat on an Oscar Barrera horse, and I, and I, I, I said I might have said something like, you know, I, I even I could win on Oscar's horse, and he didn't like it. He wanted to fight me, and like I said, he was literally like two foot six. He weighed about seventy five pounds. Yeah, you couldn't take that seriously. But um, <laughs> that was kind of funny actually. I was about yeah. fifteen, but I was about fifteen and towered over him. Um, but you know, you you look back at some of the weights in the. God, I hate to even say the <laughs> old days, but uh, like a horse like John Henry, okay, even though it seems like a lifetime ago when he was running, he carried, I think, 11 times he carried 128 pounds or more. I think he carried 130 pounds or more like six times. Um, and there was horses in those races in, in one to 110, 112. So, I mean, these were literal handicaps where, where the horses were getting – 15, 20 pounds. And of course, Latrushka wouldn't have gotten 20 pounds. But if you had, if you had brought a, a Lenny Hale from uh, 1985 in to handicap that race, uh, Monomoy Girl would have been carrying 129 <laughs> or thereabouts. And Serta, uh, Swiss Skydiver probably would have been one about 122. Um, and Latrushka probably would have been about 116. But, um, you know, these days that that just doesn't happen. There's no spread hardly, and and the bottom is is much higher because there just aren't that many jockeys that can do on the you know the low weights, so they don't even bother trying. But uh, I, you know, one of my favorite things to do when I first started training, when you were working for me back at Churchill, you remember in the beginning of the meet, they would write three-year-olds against older horses, and they do it earlier than they used to probably mostly because there's a more of a horse shortage now but i remember if you could get pat day to ride a three-year-old you would get pat day at 108 and the four-year-old would carry 122 and it was such a big advantage you were getting pat day in 14 yeah getting getting pat Pat day period right so now you're getting them with like 14 pounds and guys would be like, ah, I don't like to run my three-year-olds against the older horses this time of year. I'm like, dude, you get Pat Day and get 14? Because, you know, some of the other jockeys couldn't do the 108 anyways. I mean, there's no point. You get 108 and the jock that comes in at 113, well, what difference? <laughs> Defeats the purpose. Just, yeah. That kind of blows it all up. Right. But, um, 
you know, Pat was always a natural lightweight, and, and that was just, just a huge advantage. I mean, you know, weight does matter to some extent. It's hard to, like, quantify it. Um, I, I know that when Sky Beauty carried 130 pounds, and the chief said this, he said, that race gutted her. Um, she went, I think it was the Hempstead, and she won. And she beat two other good fillies. She was life uh, and that life race and really death took a lot. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was uh, you know, it's a lot. It, it, it's a lot. It, it's it, it matters more than I think some people think it does. But there's so few actual. I mean, there's not that many handicaps left, and the, even the handicaps we have, they're really not. You know they're not weighted that much. I think Zenyatta carried 128 or 129. Yeah, they just don't. They, um, but she was don't put, you know, a lot of weight on horses anymore. I mean, if you see a horse carry 126, that's about top weight, right? Do you remember the, they used to have a rule in New York, um, and it was the mandatory high weight, and that was that every handicap had to have at least the, the highway had to be at least 126 it could be yeah. higher but that was the starting point that the, the horse whoever was weighted the highest carried 126 and they weighed him right. from there um you know which is something these days never happens uh I, i'll be honest i'm surprised that we haven't seen a change in the triple crown races um and I'm, to be honest, to be totally honest, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I wouldn't cry about it. But, you know, taking those horses off of 126, you know, making it, making it maybe 123, uh, because there's virtually no other, uh, there's, there's very few other times that they're going to be asked to carry that kind of weight. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they you won't, know, I'm sure think? they won't do, you know, they won't mess with tradition, but. I mean, I, I'm okay with the 126. I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I don't think that if a horse doesn't win a derby, you know, I'm going to blame it on the weight. I mean, I hear what you're saying about carrying the weight and, you know, going that far first times, you know, in basically all their lives. But I, I, I'm just a trust. Well, I, I've been harping on this for months now. And I think that, you know, now that we're having a, a pretty good idea of who's going to be in this derby field, I, I would feel pretty safe to say this is the least prepared group of horses to ever compete in the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, you can't, I mean, can't argue with that. There, there's literally maybe a handful of horses that have had, um, you know, even a, a decent amount of preparation. Yeah. Oh. Uh, some of them are coming in off of one race this year. And, I mean, I, I just... I just can't fathom that, that they're going to run well. The thing that's kind of hard to fathom is there's a possibility it's not a full gate. I mean, that would really be wild in my book. I never thought we would see a derby run with less than 20 horses. No, right, without without like a, a late defection or right, you know, yeah, morning of the race yeah. scratch. No, I mean, 20 like you know, would be on the program. And, and a lot of the ones that are drawing in now – these are these are just you know desperate just uh, prayers. Yeah, I mean, 
someone on Twitter was or on Facebook was talking about who was going to ride uh, Sainthood. <laughs> I said I got Sainthood down in the, in the future book for thirteenth place. He's, he's the he's the future book favorite to run thirteenth. It's, um, I think the, the way the Derby preps, uh, and, and this year might be a little different just because of the COVID situation last year. And, and I, I know that, uh, some guys got their horses a little bit later in the season, the two-year-olds, but there's that, this is, this trend has been, has been happening with lightly raced horses, racing lighter and lighter and lighter, and just trying to get there. And I think the Derby point system is screwed up and needs to be fixed because it just, the early preps just have, have no bearing anymore. Um, and, and I think that's a mistake. I think it's a mistake on Churchill's part. I think that um, what they've done is create these lottery tickets, but you know, the last seven or eight preps, they're just lottery tickets and guys are playing a lottery with them. They're bringing, you know, horses who are under credentialed, or not credentialed, they're, they're running them in these races against a bunch of other horses who weren't really uh, seasoned, and, and they're hitting the board, and, and all of a sudden, they weren't even basically on the Derby trail, and all of a sudden, now they're in the Derby. And I think that if you spread the, the points out a little bit um, more equitable, and I, uh, Barry and I talked about this a couple times, about making the the January and February preps 25 points, then the March preps 50, and then the late ones are 75, where a horse could have a three-race campaign um, and get a little bit better preparation for the race. And I think that you'll see better, you know, horses coming out of the race in a little better fashion because, you know, every year the derbies more and more seems to be like carnage, like half of them we never hear from again. And I really think that the lack of seasoning and the lack of experience and, and just the lack of fitness, I don't know how you can get a horse ready to run a hundred and a mile and a quarter race carrying 126 pounds in a, in a, even an 18 or 19 or 20 horse field, working them half miles with one race in five months. I just don't know how you can get your horse fit enough doing that. I, I don't know. Maybe there's a secret trick to it, but it just seems like guys treat this as it's a normal race and it's, it's so not a normal race. Yeah, it just seems like uh, every year after year now, the horses come in with less and less foundation. They do, and and it's it's. Uh, I think the point system has something to do with it. I think that a lot of the big trainers have owners that want to make the Derby. And making the Derby is their goal. And I think some of them think, well, there's 20 horses in the race. Only one wins it. So let me just get there and then we'll see what happens. You know, kind of see how it shakes out. And I understand that. And I understand uh, where they're coming from because these people are buying, um, you know, spending lots of money on horses or, or spending lots of money breeding horses. And... You know, getting to the Derby is their goal. So, you know, I, I understand why they do it. It just seems, um, it just seems like a lot of really good horses get grinded up because they're asked to do a little too much. Uh, and we see how some of these mile and an eighth 
prep races have like spread eagle the field. Um, so, you know, think about adding, you know, adding more distance and, and more of a, of a, of a chaotic race. I mean, the Santa Anita handicap or Derby, excuse me. Uh, I think five horses got beat 25 lengths of horse. So it's, um, you know, I, I, I do think it's a factor. I, I just don't know. I don't know if Churchill cares. No, they just want a full gate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they made the, the turfway preps worth more points when they yeah, bought the track. I mean, that's insanity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, remember, the Illinois Derby was a key was was sort of a key derby prep race until they bought it and they were pissed off at, at Hawthorne. So they, 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 they excluded the, the Illinois Derby from the point system and basically killed the Illinois Derby. I mean, heck, so, you had a war emblem win it not too long ago and uh, then was sold and actually won the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was... Uh, I was, uh, who, who's this year's war emblem? Who can back <laughs> I don't know, but he's going to have to find one quick. He's running out of time. Full disclosure. I got, I, I have, I have future book tickets on Medina spirit. Yeah. Well, your Ron Bauer tickets are a bit to dust. I'm really pissed off. I mean, that was interesting. He actually qualified and they uh, still didn't take a shot. That's, not only did he not did he qualify, he actually kind of fit in this race. He's improving. The distance should be within his capabilities. But they, they're skipping it because the guy doesn't want to pay the entry. <laughs> that's unheard of, really. I mean, that's probably that never happened unheard. in the history of the race. Not, 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 not since maybe the 1800s. I've never heard of an old not wanting to go to the Derby that qualified. Unless obviously something's wrong with the horse. No, the point of the preakness to exist. Yeah. See that that's interesting this year. You have a lot of horses that are skipping the derby to run in the preakness. You never see that. The preakness yeah. might be a tougher race. There might be better horses per horse in the preakness and the fourteen horses that get in the gate for the preakness than the Kentucky I, Derby. I would agree with you. I mean there are a lot of horse in the derby that just absolutely like I mean, you you wouldn't know him without a scorecard. Yeah, no, you definitely need a scorecard. There was a great. I, I did this. I do this digest. You know, this, this newsletter every week, and sometimes I do it a couple times a week. And last week I did it, and I I always put a video. You know, like a a video of the week. And I found a a great video. And a lot of the older videos are grainy, or they're you know they're taped off of a TV you know set, so um, they're not so. Eh. You know, they're a little annoying to watch. Sometimes the picture's not so great. The sound's not so great. But I found one from the 1978 mm-hmm. Kentucky Derby. And, and it was actually really, really good. It was very, very clear, and the sound was perfect. And even better, it was edited. Like, they had cut out all, the, like, the nonsense and, and the, um, all the commercials and stuff. And it was, it was great because Howard Cosell was on there. And I don't, I'm, I'm sure you don't remember the 1978 Derby outside of a firm beating Alley Dar, but there was like four or five good horses in the race. It was a firmed Alley Dar, uh, Sensitive Prince, Believe It, uh, and Darby mm-hmm. Creek Road. 
And then there was four or five horses that were all like <laughs> 99 to 1. Richard the Passover actually rode one. Um, and Howard Cosell right. did the post parade. <laughs> and he does the greatest. Uh, I think I've heard it. I've heard it because uh, I did watch the, because... like, the whole show. Really good interview on the chief in there. Yeah, 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 yeah it's great. Yeah, to interview yeah. them all. Um, and and John Veach, who looked like he was about yeah. fourteen. Um, but but Howard Gosell in the post parade, like just dismissing some of the horses. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, this well, one has a... no chance. Yeah. He was, he was he was lucky to win the last. You know, he's, I'm not going to be that so lucky yeah. today. Or, you know, something just. I was like, can you imagine if he did it today to be owners? Oh yeah, what he said. What did he say, yeah, what did he say about his horse? Cheap speed. <laughs> he looks to be cheap speed in here under veteran Johnny Brumfield. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> it was though. Jim McKay was was. Like yeah. perfect host. Yeah, he was the straight and, man. Uh, yeah, I mean Jim McKay loved horses. Oh, he was a huge Maryland, horse racing yeah, guy. He's giant. Like now they have who do they got? Mike Tarico. Ooh. Mike Tarico. The only horses he ever sees <laughs> are the ones that are that are trotting <laughs> through Central Park. <laughs> but but Cosell was you know my dad brought me to a he worked for an insurance company and he used to insure a bunch of farms, mm. a bunch of horse farms. So he'd always get like invites to these kind of things. And one time it was the New York Breeders Awards, and uh, Howard Cosell was the was the was the speaker, and he was great. Like he was really great. And people forget people that aren't of a certain age. Howard Cosell was like, he was yeah. like hated. <laughs> it was it was kind of an odd thing, but he was was like not a like people used to like he was Monday Night Football, and when Monday Night Football was like the biggest show. That there was, and and people like, didn't he didn't, like didn't he that. make like some kind of derog? Oh no, that was Jimmy Greek, right? Was it him or Jimmy? He did. He, no, well, he, both he of did, him he did and say Jimmy. something direct. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, Jimmy I mean, Greek back, was really bad. My Jimmy said like wasn't was you know bad. as bad as it would be today. No, absolutely not. But I mean, Jimmy the Greek always he, it always looked like he was half in the yeah. bag. He always looked like he was. He just he just had a couple shots. Of but like one thing about the guy, he always did have a wager. <laughs> he fired. No, that is true. Yeah. I don't know if he won very often, but he no, he, did he definitely he did stepped bet. in. Um, but uh, yeah, just the way races were covered back then was just so much different than yeah. it is now. Even like um, Charles C. Canny and Frank Wright. Uh, I mean, they were great. They really were. And, and, you know, sometimes you think, well, back, back when, you know, we were younger, it was new, and maybe you think things weren't quite as good as they really are. But the, that was a great, really, it was like 22 minutes long, and it was really just, just uh, it, was, it was great. It was, it was just the way they covered the race, and uh, the interviews were good. And, and uh, yeah, it was just, uh, no, no one, no one, not one single person talked about, uh, uh, a no, bar there were no bar numbers back then. All they had is mud mo- mud marks. They had the buyer had to buy. Yeah, circle <laughs> the circle X. The rarely seen circle. Yeah, if we can only go back to that. <laughs> I'm telling you though, 
if you get a, uh, you look at the PPs now from, uh, hmm. from, from that era, and you look at the PPs now, oh man, you'd be like, what is this? <laughs> this looks like European form, you know? You get the European form and they don't really show anything. They don't show the running lines. Or yeah, I can or remember when the Racing Times tried to go up against the daily racing form. Yeah, the Racing Times. It was Stevie Crisp and uh, um, a bunch of different guys. But, you know, what they did, the competition spurred a lot of changes. The Racing Times, uh, you know, we take for granted now a lot of what we see in in the form in that you have horses records at track, you have records on off tracks, you have records on turf, you have... um, month of date of birth, uh, a lot more uh, pedigree information, a lot more, you know, just, just yeah. so much more information now than there was. Well, it's not a dollar seventy five. It's also not a dollar seventy five anymore. But no, the, a lot of that was spurred on by the yeah. Racing Times because they did a lot of innovative things and they tried a lot of things. Now, I love the Racing Times, I and mean, I used to, I used to get them all, but um. It, it really did. It didn't last that long, but uh, it, it changed uh, the form for the better, for sure. And that they added a lot of things that uh, that the racing times had, had uh, you know, been innovative with. And um, you know, it's like I said, it, it's uh, it's a constantly evolving thing. And, and now there's almost it, it's almost too much information in some ways. It's just like there's so much out there that. Uh, I mean, every single horse's derby works or girl. Well, the thing I don't like, Chuck, is back when we were younger, you could kind of dig and see horses that were running second and third, maybe out of town. They did in their next starts. They weren't in italics like they are now. They came back and won. So you you were rewarded for your, your hard work. Now you could just walk in by the form and all the work is done for you. No, there, there, there's definitely something to be said for that, and that uh, um, we used to have to work <laughs> a lot harder, get the blood yes, stock. Remember yes. the American produce yeah. records, going yeah, through those, no. uh, trying it to was, figure out. It was a true puzzle. You no, know. yeah, it, it's so much easier now. Um, like you said, you just uh, you open the form or you go online and you click some buttons, and then you can find. Mm. <laughs> which is about everything about a horse um you know works they're they're they have works on the xptv does a lot of uh a lot of you know workouts i mean derby works of course are going to be like broken down 18 different ways and people will be running them backwards and they'll be doing ratings on uh, on baths all oh, this horse got a great bath the other day and I saw, uh, I'm sure you saw too, that uh, Midnight Bourbon got loose today. That was wild. Yeah, I mean, he didn't go anywhere, did. but it's pretty wild. No, it, it, you know, he kind of reared up, and he certainly is feeling good, and he got his, his leg over the shank, and, I mean, that happens. Okay. I mean, it's happened oh, to yeah. all of us at one point, you know. The fact of the matter is, horses do what we want them to do only because they they let us do it. You know, 
Bloody I'm mocking hope now, though. First over, first over. Speed, first speed, over is a better trip dead. than on the engine. Speed you laughed dead. at me. No, it's amazing. Speed is dead at Yonkers. I mean, that's just... Uh, now, now you've seen it all. It's just not supposed to... I have. I've, I've, I've definitely seen it all. Tomorrow, the, the rail will be live. At the I don't know about that. Don't... They, sub, they substituted. They brought the Yonkers know, rail. But there's definitely something up on the inside of the track at Yonkers because horses do not wire the field like they once did. They did something to the inside of that track. There's no passing lane, so I don't know if that had something to do with it, but. I've watched the races time and time again. I was just shaking my head. And it's come to fruition. Amazing. They still don't do any money. They're yeah, 150000 it's, it's amazing how no matter what they do, they just can't be the metal ends. No, I guess just, you know, a half mile track, you know, <laughs> you draw doing... six, seven, or eight, you can almost cross a line, you know. Yeah, it, it makes it really tough. Like you said, it's the the those speed not being as quite as dominant, yeah, no it does shake about things it. up a little no bit. And I mean, it used to be you could figure out the one yeah. two number and yeah. just go to the bank. <laughs> the Hervé Fillion, Walter Case. Yeah, no, that's up. not the case anymore. Not the case. So, Aqueduct's finally over. We got Belmont. Yeah, very it's early, kind of early for Belmont. Belmont Usually, right? Belmont will open like Derby week, not the week before. Yeah, it kind of jumped out at me, and, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't even realize it. And, and, you know, I'm so used to thinking, all right, uh, you know, they're on the main track at Aqueduct, <laughs> but now there is, you know, right. the main track is the only track. So, so it's, it's kind of strange well, to see April Evidently, Governor Cuomo thought it was a little strange to open up this early, too, because he announced, I guess, on Friday that uh, people would be able to come into the track at a 20% capacity, but opening day's Thursday. <laughs> yeah, well. To be honest, I'm not sure what they determined Belmont's capacity to be, but I would guess that virtually the, the, no days <laughs> are going to reach 20% no. of capacity, except no. for maybe. Oh, I wish I could get down on that. But other than I that, that, there's no shot of that. Other than the Belmont, it's not <laughs> happening. Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, there's been 100,000 in that place, so... <laughs> The odds of 20,000 people yeah. being there on Thursday. Uh, you couldn't even put 20,000 cardboard And it's a boot. Naira not made a statement about fans coming to the races, which is absolutely incredible. Well, I know, to be honest with you, and, and I know you guys that live right around there, you know, it affects you more than than, than everyone else, but you know, even up till before that announcement by the governor, people were still like shitting bricks about Saratoga. And, you know, there, there's a debate about 
how what what is the capacity level of Saratoga? Are, are they going to use um, like the Travers cutoff where they cut it off at fifty thousand and say, all right, you can have ten thousand there, or are they going to use the seats? Because a you know a huge part of the the, the people the pop uh, the attendance for Saratoga is not people sitting in seats in the grandstand or clubhouse. Yeah, the backyard and the, and the apron as well. Um, uh, it, it's you know, ten thousand sounds like it, it's interesting that ten thousand virtually any track in the country outside of uh, uh, Keeneland, Saratoga, or Delamar or, or Derby Week at Churchill, ten thousand would be like. You know, huge. Well, Saratoga, Saratoga is a terrible Belmont. You know, ten thousand Belmont. You know, they they'd be life and death to get. Whereas, uh, you know, ten thousand Saratoga is a bad day. Yeah, they get they get ten thousand Saratoga when they're when they're going five days a week. They 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 would would jump off the grandstand. But um. Well, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it all works out. I mean, this whole COVID thing is, is it's been kind of mishandled in a lot of ways. And in that there's just so much confusion and there's never anything. Uh, it doesn't seem like we get much mm-hmm. concrete. You know, it's like you said, Naira hasn't really said anything. Governor, you know, threw out this percentage, but we don't know percentage of what. Um, so, I mean, they have till July to get this fixed. We hope that they can get that. Don't, don't hold your breath. But yes, if they got, if they got, if they got 20% of capacity at Belmont, mm-hmm. I think that, uh, they would be doing, they would be yeah. break dancing yeah, in the park. party. So, um, what's the main difference now? I mean, obviously the Belmont main track is a mile and a half and, and all the races like the there no there there are no more two turn races no it still yeah it still stays to anyway. racing basically because a mile and an eighth uh, is non-existent uh, other than a couple of times for the meet so basically you're still around one right. turn uh, obviously you'll have a lot more turf but toward the the end of aqueduct they were running on a turf pretty good a six out of eight on the on the card. Yeah, I would expect Belmont probably wouldn't be no, much different, right? Yeah, yeah you're going to see a lot of most, a lot of grass. A, a lot majority. Of grass. Now the purses have been raised to these yeah, are the highest absolutely. level I'm, yet, right? Uh, they're they're huge. <laughs> the purses are giant. So. Uh, are oh, you yeah, I, you know, I mean, before Jose got hurt, you know, I was going out there basically five days a week, and uh, now, you know, I just, I'm starting to get back into the swing of things, so I was out there, you know, the other days, so, uh, you know, when, when mean, is Jose going to be back? We're supposed to try to get him on a few horses this week, and we're tentatively pointing to, you know, Derby Week, which is like the 29th there. But until he really gets on horses, you know, it's really hard to say, you know, when you're de- dealing with the type of injury that he had with his shoulder. So so we're just, you know, going to try to get him on some horses and see how he feels and kind of go from there. 
Right. How long, you know, I, I know this is just conjecture in this point, but what do you think about two weeks of, of galloping? And yeah, it might not even be that much because he's real fit. He's been running and, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, you know, hopefully, God willing, everything goes good and we can get him back, you know, riding on the 29th, which would be uh, a week from this Thursday. That's a dream scenario, so, you know, cross your fingers. Sure. I mean, it's been a long time. Right, right, right. I mean, it's been, you know, it's going, I mean, the doctor told me that, it would be 12 weeks and he was just about right on the money. It's coming up on 12 weeks. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, it'll be good to get you. It'll be good to get you back. <laughs> yeah. Working. I'm getting bored here. Uh, yeah. Too much yeah that on Monday have nights. To get cut out. Yeah, the, the pomp, pomp is done forever. Pomp is in the, this is next year's pomp. You know, you know, it's so, it's so. Maybe we can know. get Gabe to Naira. <laughs> that guy works. Gabe, uh, I'm telling you what. If if you're a if you're miracles. a if you own a racetrack company and you don't, he, he the guy is like, listen, he's my friend, but he's he's done like. Yeah. He gets it, and and that's the one thing that's so hard to um. It, it's so hard to describe it. it uh, it's weird. You think that people would like say, well, uh, I don't know what what what's his formula? Well, his formula is that mm-hmm. he understands how better he's a better. He is a better. And and as opposed to exactly, and as opposed to hiring mm-hmm. some consultants to tell you how betters think you actually hire one and he understands the horseman he's been the executive director of the 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 harness horseman in kentucky for years so he understands that side of the the ledger as well he owns horses he's bred a couple horses and he you know he runs the show he runs the show from a the standpoint of uh you know, when there's there's carryovers or, or when there's uh, you know, guarantees, how much to put the guarantee. And, he, and he's, I was sitting with him a couple months ago. He had a guarantee, put it up, and he, he, he was sweating it out a little bit. I'm like, man, I think he put the 100000 up for guarantee. That's a lot of money. $100,000 yeah, a lot. In park is a you lot. don't realize how much that is. That's a lot. It's <laughs> not like 100000 yeah. at Gulfstream where they're going to do $13 million, you know. So uh, he was sweating it out a little bit. It, it, it I think he had one hundred seventy six thousand. I think there was like, like one hundred thirty thousand, mm-hmm. you know, new money bet into the pool. But he gets it, and he understands the the betting menus. Um, he understands how to push races off a second. You know, move them up. You know, push them back so that you're not running on top of the the, the heavier signals or your other you know the signals that your other. Uh, your, your people betting on your races are betting on too, because no one just bets one track anymore. It's very, very rare that a person will just bet one track. So, you know, he's cognizant of that fact and, and they don't run at the same time as the second and third and the fourth biggest handle tracks are, are you know, running. And sometimes like he's, he's made the point. He said, listen, sometimes you just can't help it when there's seven tracks running in a 60 minute period. And you're all trying to run three races in that period. You know you can't get it exact all the time, but 
But the fact of the matter is that the, the this is attractive. When he got there a few years ago, was handling two and three, four hundred thousand dollars. And now there's nights they do 1.3, 1.4 million. And it's not because there's uh, this huge influx of quality horses. There's not. The most of the horses there are, are donkeys. And, um, you know, Dave Miller came this year. And to me, you know, for my betting, he kind of screwed it up a little bit because, um, you know, when you had him and Hennessy in a race, you know, those two guys won like, some ungodly percentage of the time so it, it made it really difficult be, just because he's you know he's so good but but um you know the guy's done an, an unbelievable job and and it's sad to think that um despite that despite handle going up you know three four hundred percent um the track still the owners of the track have no interest in racing and they want to get rid of it and they're going to the next year will be the last year and it didn't matter that the coupling is pretty much a moot point. It didn't matter here last year. Their next year was going to be the last year, whether the politicians pass this, this coupling bill or don't pass it. It doesn't matter. It's immaterial. It was the last year period. So uh, I, I don't think, uh, I mean, I, I shouldn't say I don't think, but the odds of them being able to, find a, a different location in Florida and, and run a racetrack there it seems it seems impossible. I mean, you'd have to have someone come in, uh, you know, you'd be starting from scratch somewhere. And, you know, on top of all the, the legalities and getting a paramutual license from the state and all the, the you know, getting the county permission, getting, uh, you, you have to get, uh, you know, there, there's a whole huge um, list of uh, uh, red tape that you have to deal with, with just, just with the state. But to think that, that someone, they're going to get someone that's going to put the money up for the infrastructure, for barns, for a rate for the track, for um, the TV cameras themselves are expensive. And it, it just doesn't seem possible. I, I just don't know anyone out there who's got... There's I mean, as much as a chance as that happening as Hialeah uh, opening back up. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, at least highly is there, you know? It's still there. The track's still there. The the, mm -hmm. the gates are still there. Everything's still there. But uh, they just don't really seem to have a whole lot of interest in, in racing there. Um, uh, you know, Steve Brunetti is, is a racing guy. He, he actually would, if he was probably calling the shots or had a little bit more, more to the juice there, he probably would get it going. But uh, his brother is the CEO, and he's not that interested in it and um you know that's just how it goes and it's too bad it's too bad i, I thought uh, i thought the idea of the breeders cup buying into hialeah and you know fixing it up putting up temporary barns and having it be uh, in the the rotation um you know with kentucky and with southern california which which seems to be the only two places the breeders cup is going to go anymore it would be great to have a. I mean, can you imagine a highly a Breeders' Cup? I mean, how, yeah, how great would that be? Pretty awesome. Highly was just. Uh, we're stable there two years. The last two. The, the last two years. The last two years of of, uh, of real racing. Um, it was it was great. I mean, it was uh, an amazing place to train horses, and even as. Uh, um. 
it was like minor league-ish kind of. At, I mean, it wasn't like it was great racing. You know, the last the last couple of years, it, it was still, um, it was still great. You know, it was just the the grandstand that just has that feel. You know, you have flashbacks to let it ride, the movie let it ride all the time. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was uh, it was something else. But again, you know, it's like I just feel like like that's a pipe dream. Now, you know, now with Calder gone, it's uh, it's you know, and you, you see some of the the headlines um, dealing with the Florida legislature, and there's you know. There's a whole lot of stuff going on with gambling in this state. And sadly, the thoroughbreds, even as big as we were, as much money. I mean, they handled $2 billion last year at, at Gulfstream Park. $2 billion with a B. And the breeding industry is a big, big business in the Ocala area. The breeding and the, uh, you know, the breaking and the, the two-year-old and training sales. Uh, I mean, OBS sells a, you know, Hundreds of millions of dollars worth of horses there. I mean, the, epi- the economic impact of horse racing in this state is, is gigantic. And when we go to Tallahassee, we're like bit players. We're like nobodies. Um, you know, when you stack us up next to the Seminoles, uh, who are they're, they're trying to get to, you know, give them money again because the Seminoles were, were literally giving the state twenty-five or thirty million dollars a month, just you know because they had it um, and then they got in a fight with the, the one of the prior governors and, and stopped <laughs> stopped making those payments but um you know that that seems like the focus and we seem like we're just not that important and and it's kind of scary when you really think about like where horse racing is at um you know Arlington Park you know, we're, we're in our last uh, you know the last hurrah there. Hollywood Park is gone. Suffolk Downs is gone. Rockingham Park is gone. Uh, Bay Meadows is gone. Sportsman's Park is gone. Um, uh, you know, Hialeah, Calder. Uh, I mean, these are all tracks that when I started training just a little over 20 years ago, we're, we're all still running. And they're all gone. Atlantic City. Garden State. Uh, Atlantic City. Uh, you know, even as dilapidated state, uh, Atlantic yeah. City was was kind of a cool little meet. You know, they ran all turf races, and uh, I mean, it wasn't like high quality or anything, but it was it was fun. It was it was kind of nice to go there, and and uh, you know, for the people, the year round people up in the Northeast, it was kind of the first turf racing they saw, and it, it was it was kind of like a sign to spring, and 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 even that that's you know that's gone too. So. Um, I mean, honestly, Mammoth Park is is probably lucky. If it wasn't for Drazen, um, you know, really driving the bus yeah, there, sports, that place sports would be betting, gone. You know, was uh, same with the actually kept them going as much as you know. You talk about how sports betting is, you know, hurting thoroughbred game, which you know probably is true. But without the sports betting, I mean, is Mammoth still up and having a meet? I don't know that – I don't know, and, and, I, and this is just conjecture. I haven't spoken to him about this, but I don't know if Drazen could have seriously considered um, racing – you know, running Mammoth as a, strictly as a racetrack 
with no slots wagering, with no slots money, and with no sports betting money. Because everyone else mm-hmm. in the surrounding areas has it. And I just don't know how they would have been able to survive without that, uh, you know, that, that pot of rainbow at the end of the, or see, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Um, and it's come through and, and, you know, they're doing well. And I mean, to be honest, uh, and maybe I'm being a, a, a jerk, but I think that Jeff Gorell should, should pitch more in than he pitches in because that sports book is, yeah. is doing. Yeah, I know. I went to a few times a place. Huge. Back, he hits back. Huge. He could he could throw in a little bit more money to the purses there. He's not gonna either. But um yeah, listen, I always no, he's not going to. He's he's just that way, but he's the white knight, but he, it's he's like the white knight shoes. with an asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> he is not the white knight, but he he, he, he likes to be the, the, the knight in shining armor that saved the metal and and he did. I mean I'm not gonna criticize that. He did, but he could probably be a little bit more. I wonder. With, I wonder. I haven't really heard anything funds, about. But, uh, last year they talked about running a dirt meet at the Meadowlands for thoroughbreds, but this year you haven't heard of things. So. That was the plan. There, there was a some in the contract with the state, uh, and, and I'm totally like paraphrasing here this is all secondhand information but the thoroughbreds have the first right of refusal to run a meet there in the fall at the meadowlands on the dirt um and i think there was some some arguing over it's it's an extremely high number to convert the dirt from the trotters to the thoroughbreds i think it's like and and back i think it's around a million dollars or more so that was kind of the point of contention. And then, you know, Gorel said, I'm not going to pay for that, which I don't blame him um, for that. But uh, I think last year, because Mammoth got hurt, he lost so many dates, and there was no sports betting for months and months and months because there was no games. Um, I think the, the surplus money that was going to be used to fund that fall meet kind of uh, ran out. So maybe next year. Um, or the year after, if, if the sports betting continues to boom, if they make enough money to have uh, that extra, you know, amount of cash. I mean, personally, I could do without the Meadowlands dirt meet at that time of the year. Um, I think guys would be better off just shipping south and right. You know, it just is. Uh, there's just so many tracks running at that time, and it's just. Uh, I, I just don't see the, the uh, allure of dirt racing in November in the cold anymore when Aqueduct is running and Parks is still running and Penn's still running and Delaware just, you know, I just don't know that there's enough horses there to where you're going to have it be, you know, no, really good I mean, racing. I would agree. I mean, you know, what are your thoughts? Way too much racing on, you know, this side of the coast to probably even have a meet that would, you know, be of any count. Yeah, yeah. So, like you said, though, there, there hasn't been a word said about it. So, I'm sure that uh, that this meet's not uh, not going to happen. Um, 
This meeting is going to happen at Mammoth without Jane Sabelli. <laughs> you told Jane, "Sorry, you're you're too big of a of a pain in the in the rear end." So, so so Jane's staying in South. She's staying South. Got one more. Um, Colonial is uh, is going to be running this year. They're going to. Yeah. I mean, last year they aborted after yeah. five days because Jock's got COVID or something, but. Uh, they're going to run about six or seven weeks. Yeah, I saw they they burned so, the turf. Mostly board, turf. So that's uh, uh, mid- they're unveiling. It's wacky. Yeah, uh, I saw that. that that's that always. <laughs> Gulfstream. Yeah, it's naturally the burned. They run out of the <laughs> yeah, they don't have to naturally like that. Fire. Green that's green from the sun. Maiden ten, baby. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'm telling you what, the last couple of days, man, it feels like yeah, it's gotta it be feels warm like July already. When, it's I, know, I just got back from Lexington and it was like 78 there. So yeah, it's it's been uh, we went right to summer, but I'm not. I'm not. I'll tell you, it was something to see in, so. in Keeneland, Chuck, because I mean, it's a free for all there, as you would well, you know, know. But if you had a drink, or you were eating, or you were seated, you did not need to wear a mask. I thought that was kind of interesting. And as you well know, yeah, and as you well know, people in Keeneland usually have drinks. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's... Drinks are prevalent throughout the Keeneland. Yeah, I mean, there weren't too many masks. I'll yeah, they don't exist they, down here. Yeah, I heard, there's, there's I heard some stories. Yeah, no, but in like New York, you know, ago. as soon as I got home, you know, it's yeah. mass mandatory. You know, basically, I mean, if I'm sure at the racetrack, you know, you're not allowed to take your mask off. So, I mean, it's just it, it was Pompano, and you know, Pompano mm. opened back up to crowds first. Yeah. Not that they get huge crowds right. over there, but I mean, they might get a couple hundred people. But um, they were open first in the first couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, well, the mass of police were everywhere, you know. And then, yeah. then they kind of tapered off and tapered off. And then outside, right. they were like, mm-hmm. ah, "If you're outside, you don't have to wear it anymore." I'm telling you, uh, <laughs> when when the Canadians were down, all the Frenchies were here uh, in the winter yeah. around that bar, the outside bar of Pompano, <laughs> smoking those those Paul Malls or whatever cigarettes they. You should have had an oxygen tank assigned with your mask. Yeah, those guys would Man, be guys, smoking right through like the kidneys. mask. I'm telling If your health insurance company found out you spent any yeah, you time dropped immediately. Yeah, you dropped immediately. Time, they will cancel you. <laughs> oh, you will be dropped like a hot potato, man. They're going to say you are about 75% having that. Um, uh, what's that thing that they, they advertise on TVG? It has some wacky um, things. <laughs> if you have, uh, oh okay, yeah, yeah. You think that's mesothelioma? That was their go-to though for a long while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <That> was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People whose lung health is worse: <laughs> coal miners and people who hang out at the bar at Pompano. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, 
And the indoor bar, of course, you know, there's no smoking indoors, so it's like, yeah, you know, yeah no clouds, pristine air in there, man. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> Outside. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the the there's there's not many the, the Quebec plates are missing this year, and and you know I I often blame the people from Quebec for the bad traffic here in the winter time, but I gotta I gotta apologize for the Quebecis. Yeah. It's not your it's fault. Still brutal. Was, was, yeah, it's still brutal. Crap. Yeah, it's all just so without you. I mean, it, it just, still sucks. There's nowhere to go. Oh no. People just don't follow any rules no. here. Like they just don't follow the rules. Like no. speeding. I mean, that's not even. And and the cops never pull anybody over. The only time you see the cops pull anyone over, like you see a cop has somebody pull over, there's like four cops and they all have like machines yeah, major, pointed at. It's major. like a Miami Vice kind of deal. Right. I mean, no one ever just gets pulled over for like speeding. It's always got to yeah. be like, you know, drug bus, high speed chase that, that ended. Oh, man. It's like anarchy here sometimes. But you know what? It doesn't. Yeah. Well, there's something to be said. Cold, so. No, there's. <laughs> there is. Sometimes they suck. But, um, <laughs> but Jay, I appreciate you filling in today for you get well for soon, Barry. The under the weather, Barry. And um, yeah, this is the plan. Realized huge miles, fifty and four for the Green Hornet. Yeah. Oh man, I would I would have had to pick three because I used the plan. Good, but no. Oh. Uh, the pick three paid it might, $160. Might I say he did dollar. go down the road, so speed was good there. But he did do it from the eight hole, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, on his day, on his day, on his day. He's a good horse. You know, he's always kind of been, he's always kind of been yeah. like right yeah, I mean, below he, the he, best. He deserved the win. I mean, he's over, he's over $2 million now, right? Yeah. A lot of money. Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. Trotters, I mean, pacers. Yeah. Well, that's why I love they, the they sport, just go John, on because on on on. you know you can follow these animals to eight, nine, and they're still good. You know, they they're starting every week, and I like how they move the big races to every track. You know, so it's 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 good. It's you know different. You know, yeah. half mile track one week, and a seven each track the next week, then a mile. You know, I, I kind of wish that somehow we could get some ideas from harness racing into the thoroughbred racing, because you know, they kind of work together these harness tracks. You know, I've thought. Uh, you know, Barry and I talked about this a couple months ago, two or three different segments about how we could tie the Breeders' Cup into a series of races. Well, like you used to have that. Cup, you had that kind of a road to the TRS. Cup. And, and, yeah. Right, right. And that was one of the things I, I brought up was the, the, the American Championship Racing Series. Um, I actually had a, a devil is due when we won the Pimlico Special. I had a blanket. <laughs> the chief gave it to me, and someone stole it. Yeah. Please return. So if you have a Charles Pimlico Simon. Special devil is due blanket, it's stolen. Yes, and Randy Prasad, I still hate you, and I'm going to get you for stealing my halters out of Mammoth 
five years ago or six years ago now. I haven't forgotten. So if you happen to listen, I'm 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 going to He's take probably it out using of those holders right now with interest. No, no doubt they were nice holders. <laughs> Maybe dead probably giveaway. doing leather holders in his barn. <laughs> yeah, probably with the same nameplates on. But uh, <laughs> I don't know how we got segwayed to that. But no, we're, we're, there are. Um, I, I just think that, especially some of the, um, I mean, certainly the the older horse division is what it is and the fillies and this and that but like the sprints like the sprinters there's no there's no real cognizant road to the breeders cup i mean it's, it's all over the place and and i just think the sprint the philly sprinters um maybe turf milers like put something together a race of the month at, at a different track you know and and bump the purses a little bit and give somebody something, uh, you know, point system uh, leading into the Breeders' Cup. Maybe the point leaders get some sort of bonus. If they win the Breeders' Cup, they get an extra 25%. Or, you know, just something to try to get horses to race against each other. Because the one great thing about the race last weekend at Oakland was, I mean, these yeah. were clearly the three best fillies in the country, right? And uh, maybe she's a stone. What's her? She's a devil. Whatever her name is. Uh, Right. She's she's probably another one. um, You know, under the same umbrella. But still, you know, this was the matchup that people wanted to see, and and that's the matchup that we need to get more than just Breeders' Cup weekend, and more than just in you know like uh, Triple Crown events. Because everything else seems like it's a prep for the Breeders' Cup. And and that sucks. I mean, we need to have races stand on their own merits. And there's just no reason. Horse racing with a championship event at the end of the year is so made to have a pattern of races to get there. And it's just industry dysfunction and um, just a lack of... of of passion on the part of a lot of our leaders and that they just, they're so quick. It really pisses me off and I don't want to get on too much of a tangent, but that everybody's <laughs> all handles up. Everything's great. No, everything's not great. Everything sucks. You know, it's not great. That could stop tomorrow because you know, the truth is nobody yeah, really knows. Up numbers, I mean... Nobody really knows. We need to keep, investing in the game and we need to keep coming up with new ideas and not sit back and oh the naira show man it brings a lot of people in. yeah it brings a lot of people in, but you're looking for younger people guess what younger people don't even have fox sports when they cut the cord they don't even have uh cable tv and i understand that you know demographics and racing do trend older but uh you know the breeders cup has traditionally been on nbc right nbc sports channel carries most of the races well NBC Sports Channel is going to be defunct after this year. So, <laughs> you know, what then? <laughs> where where are we going? They're going to want to put those races on that Peacock streaming service. And <laughs> the odds of my dad being able to find Peacock streaming service mm-hmm. are yeah, like 12 million to one. He doesn't too. even text message. 
Right. So, you know, like, this is the thing is that you want to attract a younger, a younger demographic. Yeah, I mean, well, the younger the people only way, are going away yeah, from the television. only way to attract the they're younger going to, they're going people away from is to get them out to the track and see the live event. That's the sell. <laughs> and then, you know, the hook. offer them no dollar doubt. beers, no doubt about dollar that. hot dogs, and that'll work wonders. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> uh, it seems so simple, yet it's so far fetched. In the end, yeah. If you put out a good product to bet on, and you price it fairly, and you police it um, aggressively, if you if you build it, they'll it come. It should yeah. work. But we we don't have great product a lot of days. The pricing levels, the takeout levels are, are too high in most bets. And, the, you know, the policing of the sport is, you know, not aggressive. I mean, uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks back about, um, you know, the stewards. Yeah, it's interesting that lot, you say that. Doing a lot more than coming back from Keeneland. The other day, uh, after there was a disqualification, whether, you know, one race they took something down, another race they didn't, after the race, they gave a whole dissertation on the infield screen of, you know, why they took it down or why they did it. Now, that has to be done at every racetrack. They do it in Kentucky now. They do it in California. Why don't they do that in New York? No reason why they don't do that everywhere. And I, and I want to go further than that. I want explanations yeah. from jockeys and trainers when a horse's form changed for better or for worse. I want to know when a horse that <laughs> I bet on that shows speed consistently shows no speed intentionally. I want to know why. I want to know what happened. I want to know, did, did the rain break? Did... Uh, the horse not feel right? Did he lose a shoe? Did, I mean, this is information that, 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 that it, it's actually, you know, um, important to have. And one thing that racing has, has always failed to kind of do is, is to tra- be transparent. And the, the more eyes you have on you and the more smarter people you have betting your races, they're going to want that information. They're going to want to know what happened here. How come this happened? Why did this horse not show or speed or, or, or vice versa how come a horse that's that's run three times and not really shown any speed fourth time breaks on top and then goes wire to wire okay that's great that's fine i'm not accusing anyone of anything but call me up call the trainer up and, and it doesn't have to be like immediately after the race in the winter circle or something like that but put it out the next day yeah. have, a, have a you know like the nba has uh, the last two minute report where they go through every, the last two minutes of every game and they, they break down every call that's made, period. Whether it was right, whether it was wrong, if it was wrong, why it was wrong, if it was right, you know, this was the right call, it was, you know, rule, blah, blah, blah. And and, and just say, just ha- have a report saying that we spoke to, you know, these jockeys, these trainers, and this is what they had to say about that. And put it on your website and, and, and make it a part of the record. And it's like, that is so much more, uh, pertinent than you know some of the other nonsense that that, that people 
you know, that the tracks seem to think we give a shit about, <laughs> you know, like when the jockey's birthday is or something like that. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I know how world, is, different is a world. Whole, uh, you know, is a whole different ball of wax. And then they have a form steward, you know, who that that's what they do. Right. And in Hong Kong, you have to ask mm-hmm. permission to change tactics. If you change tactics, um, without telling anyone, yeah, and then you are going to you know, wind up in they the tell clink, and then they'll announce it, <laughs> you, know? you know, before the race. It's not a secret. Yeah, right. It, it's not a, uh, you know, no. And 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 maybe this country won't, won't, you know, there's too much racing. It's too much low class racing, um, where there just isn't the finances to do that. Uh, and then a lot of it comes down to money. I mean, let's face it. Money is a big factor, and we can come up with all the great ideas we want, but they also have to be funded. And and one of the things that people have kind of pushed for, and I've always kind of like been on the fence about, is is like vet records, because I said, listen, what are you going to do with those vet records? What are you going to? Number one, it's a tremendous amount of volume of of, of information data. It's going to cost a lot of money to to get that data implemented somewhere in the form that you can use it and the fact of the matter is the stuff you're looking for the smoking guns the vets aren't going to write yeah, well, it down. like you know what i mean like if you rob banks you, you know you don't keep a diary and say yeah you know today i just went to wawa and had a roast beef sandwich uh yesterday you know the day before uh yeah i robbed the third national bank you know like they're not going to put well, anything illegal down. Now they'll tell you about claims that are voided, but they don't tell you why. I mean, it could have been, you know, for whatever reason, the claims right. could have been voided from a, a clerical reason. Yeah, it didn't necessarily have to be. Right, you could have spelled something wrong. wrong. I, I had a claim voided one I think time I remember because I wrote, the wrong, I, wrote, I wrote the wrong date. Yeah. yeah. And it was actually, it was a, it was a good one to, to void because the horse who right. won that day, but but he turned out to be a like not a good claim. But yeah, I think I put like 2006 and it was 2007. But, you know, that that's voidable. Uh, you know, yeah, they need to, they need not to licensed that. is a voidable yeah, claim. Yeah, not enough money in the account, you know. Sometimes the guy will forget they got to put uh, they'll they'll yeah, wire money yeah. into the account, but they yeah. forget they got to pay sales tax. Came up so short. The, there won't be yeah. No, money I mean there has to be a footnote, tax, and that'll be avoided. Claim. No, that's a good. A good... Did you see there was thirty six no, claims in on that horse at, at Oakland on Saturday? Wow, Robert horse in the seventh right race. Thirty six claims. Right. I looked at the horse and he didn't number one, he didn't win the race. Mm-hmm. And it, he looked like he had good form and he'd been claimed a couple times before. Yeah, but it wasn't like you know it, it No, it, it, it wasn't like this was a uh, um you know personal ends in a in a fifty claimer. I mean it just he was just alright. I was just you know, I know Oakland at the end of the meet, people claim like crazy because they're going all over the place. And there's like no jail there because there's no more meat. So um, that was crazy. 36. 36 is a lot. 
36, you have to you have to do three. Because yeah. you, you, you only have 15 pills, right? <laughs> so you'd have to do you'd have to do three, yeah, three twelves, three twelve shakes, then a shake off. But uh, I do appreciate you uh, coming on okay. and filling in, and uh, right. we'll, we'll definitely have you back on before Great. the Derby. We're going to do a show. We're going to go over uh, the Derby card. And, um, yeah, we did good on the, uh, the, the uh, Florida Derby and, card. We gave out a lot from we'll go from there. between the three of us. Yeah, Some decent prices, too. A lot of winners. Some chalk, but some, some good prices. Yeah, no. Yeah. Sometimes, you know. You got to chalk it up, but yeah, uh, sometimes you just got to survive. Try to, try to be in the no chalk zone. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I hear you. But uh, thanks, Jay, and, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, Jose yeah, will be back up and going, and uh, you guys will have a good meet at Belmont. Okay. All right. Thanks again. All right. Thanks for everyone for listening. We'll be back. Hey everyone, welcome to the Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon, I'm the host of the Going in Circles podcast network. Uh, my co-host, Mr. Barry Spears, is a late scratch tonight. Uh, Mr. Spears is scratch sick, he's on the vets list, and we'll be back next week. And we had to draw in uh, Mr. Jay Bidas, Jose Lescano's agent. He's drawn in off the also eligibles, he's going to fill in for Barry. Big shoes to fill, of course, but uh, but Jay's a sharp guy and, and he uh, pays attention and he's got a, a unique look at uh, at the game. So we'll talk Apple Blossom and some of the interesting jockey tactics used. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the weights. We'll talk the Derby field, which is continuing to change. Um, how maybe the Preakness could possibly be a, a better race than the Derby. Um, and the, you know, the usual fair, whatever's going on in the sport this week, we'll, we'll knock around a little bit, uh, Belmont opening up early for a change. Jay was at Keeneland the last couple of weeks. Um, so they talk a little bit about that and, uh, and everything else, uh, is privy is, is a potential, potential topic here on the big Monday show. All right. We'll be back in just a minute. Thank you. Hey everyone, I want to talk to you about BRL Equine. BRL Equine is a company that would be considered by most the premier equine supplement company in horse racing. They spend a lot of money, millions, on, on research and development before they put these products out. This is not a fly-by-night organization just tossing some couple things together and, and throwing it out there. The... They use FDA-supervised facilities. What they say is in the products is actually in the products. Nothing illegal, nothing illicit. It's perfectly legal, and it's beneficial for your horse's health. They have a new product called Flexify that's been only uh, out on the market for, I think, about six weeks. And the early returns are great. I know a lot of trainers that have given me feedback, and these are guys that are going to tell me the truth. Um, there's a million supplements out there, a lot of things that people have tried that haven't really been effective, and so far, everyone seems to really believe 
that Flexify HA is, is, a, is a really excellent uh, supplement to help a horse's joints. Contact my friend Joe Vellante at 215-501-6880 or get a hold of me at goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com and I will get Joe in touch with you. And uh, if you're lucky, you might even get him for a lunch. But BRL Equine is a really good company, and they have some really, really good supplements. And if you're an owner, ask your trainer. If you're a trainer, give Joe a call. Thanks.